this sermon series that I've been listening to all the podcasts about is we're walking through the Gospel of Mark. It's called A Journey with Jesus. And, and uh, Pastor Mark and Pastor Bruce every week, um, it, when they're preaching, is they ask you guys to do a couple of things. They always, they always tell you, and I know because I listen to the podcast, is to put yourself in each story, in, in, in each situation that, that Jesus was in, to try to find, find yourself in there, to try to understand the incredible truths, maybe as one of the characters in there, to try to um, put yourself in there as far as the feelings or emotions that may be happening in the story, to really try to put yourself in each one of these situations. And, and really throughout this, this uh, sermon series, there's been some very powerful truths that God has, has shown us, hasn't he? I believe it. Um, and this is really an excellent way to read scripture, though, as well. So you say, you know what, I, you know, when I read, it's just kind of like, eh, you know, like you're plowing through a story or whatever. But if, if you simply take the time, kids, adults, to, to put yourself in the story, okay? Pretend you're one of the characters. Um, try to figure out what would be the emotion or the feeling or the, the attitude. Try to figure out, okay, maybe this is how I would have felt now, but how would that have looked, you know, 2,000 years ago or whenever the story took place? And so this is a really uh, an excellent way to read Scripture. And, and if you do that, um, just like has been proven as we've been walking through the Gospel of Mark, I believe God really show us some incredible biblical truths from His Word. And so, so I'm going to ask you to do that this morning as well. Okay? I'm going to ask you that today is no different, and, I'm, and I want all of us to be able to put ourselves, as we continue walking through the Gospel of Mark, to put ourselves in these stories that we're going to hear today that Kyle just read to us. Um, and as we continue, I want you guys to put yourself there and I want you to be open to and listen to what God would say to you this morning. Okay? So, before we dig into what Kyle just read in our two stories today, there's one thing that we really have to get. There's one truth that we have to, that we have to look at these two stories through because if we don't, if we don't look at it through this lens, I believe that we're going to miss what God's trying to say to us today. Okay? So, here it is. This is it. You've got to get this. Jesus was 100% man. Okay? Jesus was completely man. He was a guy as much as any... Any of us sitting here were a guy or a man or human, okay? And the scriptures uh, say throughout scripture that, that Jesus was divine. Scripture tells us that Jesus was God's son, right? We believe that Jesus is God's son. Over and over in the Bible, Jesus makes statements like, I and the Father are one, or if you've seen me, you have seen my Father. But, but all too often, I think we forget that Jesus was 100% man, that Jesus, Jesus was a carpenter by trade, all right? He worked construction. I, I say amen to that because I spent 12 years roofing. You know, that, that shows you that he was as, as much of a guy as, as any one of us, okay? And, and I also know this, though, working construction, is that um, your main tool is a hammer, Okay? You pull out the hammer, and I've, I've done this too many times on the roof probably, but you're pounding away on something, and you smack your thumb. I have, yeah, I've, 
I've, I've done a lot to my thumb. I almost cut it off on a table saw. I've smashed it with a hammer. I've done all kinds of things. So I'm glad I'm in full-time ministry. So, um, but, but he was human. He swung a hammer just like any one of us. So I, I want everybody to hold out their hands. Everyone do this. Okay? Get it out there. Some of you aren't doing it. Okay. Uh, the ushers are, are going to come out and they all have hammers. And so they're going to go... <laughs> no, uh, keep, keep it out there. We're, we really are going to do something with this. All right, so, so I want you to take your hand and I want you to take this other hand and I want you to pinch yourself, okay? I want you to realize... Some of you are hurting yourself. Don't, don't do that. But I want you to realize that this was Jesus. Jesus had this, just like you. Okay, you can stop. Any pain? You know, I see faces that are hurting... Don't hurt yourself. But, but this was Jesus, okay? When he swung and hit his thumb with a hammer, it hurt. If he were to pinch himself hard enough, it would hurt, okay? Jesus was completely man, all right? He had skin just like you and I. He felt pain. How many of you were tired when you got up this morning? Okay, that's right. Some of you are still tired. But you've got to wake up here. You know? And... Jesus felt the same way. Jesus felt the same way. If, if we forget this, though, what we do is we risk forgetting the entire reason that Jesus came to earth. Remember, the whole reason he came was to help us relate to God again. Okay? So the whole reason he came was to help us relate to God so, so we could get it, so we could understand him better, so we could relate and be connected with God once again. Okay? Jesus made himself of no reputation, the Bible says, took the form of a servant, made himself in human likeness, and was the appearance of man, he humbled himself. Scripture is clear that Jesus was 100% God, but it's also very clear that Jesus was 100% man. Okay, Since he was fully man, he faced everything that we face. He felt everything we felt. He got frustrated. He got tired. And you know what? I bet you Jesus got frustrated with people at times. How many of you get frustrated with people? Sometimes you're on the road. Sometimes you're in the store. It happens. Jesus had that, those same feelings. All those things bothered him too. Jesus, at the end of a long day, wanted to go home, sit down, relax, put his feet up, eat some supper. Hopefully there wasn't anything on the schedule that night. He felt those same things. He was human. He was 100% human. 100% man. All those things are indeed true about Jesus because he was fully man. So today, as, as we look at the Gospel of Mark, as we're going to do in just a minute, I want you guys to notice something that maybe you've never noticed before. We're going to come face to face today with Jesus' humanity. We're going to come face to face with his with his humanity and see that even though he was human, he always yielded to the Holy Spirit. And that in spite of his human desires, Jesus yields to the Holy Spirit. We're going to see this concept unfold in the two stories that Kyle read and that we're going to read again in just a minute. So as we read Mark seven twenty four through thirty seven again, I want us to read it with, with this lens on. I want us I want us to look for in these stories Jesus' humanity. See if you can see if you can um, see Jesus yielding to the Holy Spirit instead of to a human desire. Okay? 
He yields to the Holy Spirit despite his human desire. So let's take a look and read once again, because I want, I want us to look for this in God's Word. Mark seven twenty four through 37. It says, From there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and he entered a house and wanted no one to know it. But he could not be hidden. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, Let the children first be filled, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, but even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For this saying, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon gone out and her daughter lying on the bed. Verse 31. Again, departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, he came through the midst of the region of Decapolis to the Sea of Galilee. Then they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in speech, and they begged him to put his hand on him. And he took him aside from the multitude, and he put his fingers in his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then, looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, Be opened. Immediately his ears were opened, and the impediment of his tongue was loosed, and and he spoke plainly. Then he commanded them that they should go and tell no one, but the more he commanded them, the more they widely proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. Did you guys see it? Hannah caught it. Nice job, Hannah. Did did you catch it? Did you did you see his humanity? Okay? Did you did you see him in those human in those very human situations? In both stories, Jesus was wrestling with some very human situations. But the thing is that he didn't give to give in to those human desires. He instead listened to the Holy Spirit. The first example we run into is in verse twenty four right away. Jesus didn't want anyone to know he was there. He wanted to be hidden. He just wanted some alone time. Okay? How many of you like your alone time? Amen. Some of you are... Okay? The thing is, is I think think we can all relate to that. I, I, I know I can relate to that. Despite what my wife may think and despite what some of you guys may think that I've chatted with after church. I actually do like my alone time. I, I love people. I always love talking to people. Um, if I didn't have anything else to do, I would probably have people over at my house all the time. That's just that's how I'm wired. Okay? I like people. Um, I'm, I make friends. I try to you know, chat and talk about any, man, anything's fair game with me. It's, just, it's all on the table. It's fun. I like that. That's, that's how I'm made. And so... But even I, and even you, need some alone time. And, and, and for me, for me, this happens, um, I, I have this feeling really every day, despite my personality, is it usually comes after work. After work every day. My alone time, the time that I look forward to, is when I get into the car, I can shut the door, and my time from work to home. Some of you are smiling, because you, you do the exact same thing. From work to home is my alone time. Okay? This is the time where I take advantage of the opportunity to, to process everything that happened at work, where I can, where I can compartmentalize what I was doing and, and, and begin to, 
begin to prepare myself for, for arriving at home and with you know, my wife and kids and stuff that has to happen at home. So a lot of you do that too, is we have, we have that alone time. A lot of times I'll have some music on or maybe talk radio or whatever, but that is my alone time, to mentally switch from being at work to at home. And so it's during this time that I, wanna, that I want to be alone is I usually try to avoid interruptions. Okay? Now what's the number one way that you get interrupt, interrupted during your alone time? Cell phones, isn't it? I love cell phones. I mean, media is part of what I do. I, I love technology, but during that moment in time, it can kind of bother me. Okay? Because, because I want to be alone. Now, one of the few ways I could get interrupted is on my phone. And this is a problem, though, because a lot of times, especially with the different schedules that Kristen and I keep, she wants to know about when I'm going to be home. Okay? Whether she's working on dinner, we have something going on. She wants to know, Paul, when are you going to be home? Okay? And so I, I have this problem. I don't want to be interrupted. I want my alone time. But Kristen wants to know when I'm going to be home. Okay? Uh, that's, that's a tough one. So what usually ends up happening is one of two things. One is it's a very short phone conversation on the way home to say, I'm coming home. Okay? Or two, I love texting. I can text her before I leave and say, on my way, and then and that's and that happens, and that's fine. Okay, Kristen's very gracious about that, and she, um, she's very understanding of that, but we all have the human desire for some alone time, right? Let me explain to you one thing. I think, how many of you um, wonder sometimes why a lot of us guys like to go hunting and fishing? Anyone wonder that? I see some kids with their hands up, <laughs> shouting back there, talk to me, what is it? So, Here's what it is. Let me, let me get you inside a guy's mind for a little bit. I believe one of the main reasons that guys love to go hunting and fishing, especially the guys that go hunting every year and who hardly ever get anything or never get anything. <laughs> Why do they keep going back, right? Well, here it is. Nothing, you want to talk about alone time, there's nothing like being in the woods by yourself in the peace and quiet and you're completely alone. That's why a lot of guys, even if they don't get anything, will go hunting. We all become hunters in November because one of the things we look forward to the most is that alone time, that time in the woods where it's just peace and quiet. Okay? So, we love our alone time. And do you know what? Jesus was the same way. How about for your moms? Moms, your alone time. And I know because this is Kristen's favorite alone time. And if you have older kids, you remember this alone time. When the kids are supposed to take a nap, that's your alone time, right? That's, that's the one time in the day where you can hopefully um, maybe have some alone time or at least get something accomplished that you couldn't do, ladies, while the kids are awake. Isn't that true? And isn't it frustrating when they don't nap? Uh, okay, but Jesus, once again, was the same way. He wanted to be alone. Getting back to our story, what he did is he entered the house in verse 24 and wanted no one to know, okay? But what happened right after that is Jesus gets in the house probably thinking, finally, I can be alone, take a deep breath, and all of a sudden, this lady comes in 
begging him to heal her daughter, and his alone time is gone. The Bible says that he could not be hidden. Now, how frustrating is that? It's, it, it's kind of like this, guys, to climb up in your deer stand on a Saturday morning when it's still dark, and you're sitting there, you're getting your stuff all settled, and the sun comes up and you look around, and you're surrounded by orange. And you're saying, I'm not at all alone like I thought I was. And not only that, but you're surrounded with people with guns. And so it's a, it's a situation where you're probably going to climb out of your chair stand, find a different spot, different spot to hunt. Or maybe it's like this, is getting interrupted for me on my car ride home by the one phone call, the important phone call that you'd know was coming, that you need to take and everything, but totally ruining that planned alone, alone time. Or maybe it's for moms, maybe it's, that time, it's, it's the day that you dread. It's the day that the kids don't nap. It's the day where they don't nap and that alone time is completely ruined. And of course, moms, it always happens that, that your list is the longest that day, right? You need to get the most done and now it's gone. It doesn't happen. Okay? It ruins our human desire for alone time. That's exactly what happened to Jesus. And, and how do we usually respond to those situations? Well, a lot of times we'll get frustrated. A lot of times... Um, a lot of times we might, we might get so frustrated that we even get a little angry or a little down thinking about how we were robbed of our natural right for that alone time, right? Okay? But let's look how Jesus handled it. Being 100% man, let's look at how he responds to his desire for that alone time. Does he yield to the human desire or does he yield to the Holy Spirit? And if you look in this story with the Phoenician woman, it's very clear that Jesus still, even despite that, that strong desire for wanting his alone time, follows the leading of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at what happens. Okay? Let's look at what happens. Later on in that story, Jesus, in spite of his human desires, yields to the Spirit, and look what God is able to do through him. A woman whose daughter had an evil spirit for a long time, the Bible doesn't say how long, came there and she begged him to, to heal her, she heard he was there, came right away, begged him to heal her daughter, and he heals her daughter. This girl was healed because Jesus didn't give in to his human desire to be alone, but yielded instead to the Holy Spirit. And because of that, God was able to use him for some incredible things in this girl's life. When we yield to the Spirit's leading instead of to our human desires, I firmly believe that God will use each and every one of us too. That's a principle throughout God's Word. So let me give you a very, uh, just a couple of very practical examples of how this could happen or of how we could yield to the Spirit instead of to our human desires. Okay, so some of them will be very simple. Some can be very complex. But here's just a few simple ones. Maybe for you, you've had a long day, maybe at work, at home, running errands, whatever the case may be. There always seems like there's not enough time at the end of the day, isn't there? Okay, a lot of us end up staying up later than we should. But this was your day, and you're on your way home, or you're just coming to your house, and you walk in, and immediately you have um, a younger son or daughter, and they come running up to you and start talking 100 miles an hour about everything that happened at school. Okay, that, that happens. Okay? And, and, of course, not only that, but at school, I think, I think teachers try to give our kids as many papers as they can throughout the day. Okay? They, every project has to be on a huge piece of construction paper, for little kids, otherwise, 
I don't know what happens. The construction paper industry would go right out of business. But it always comes on the huge piece of construction paper, okay? And you're looking through them and, wow, that's awesome. And, and it is. It's not that you don't like that or anything, but you just came in and you didn't have any of that alone time, right? And you're kind of frustrated. Or, or if your son or daughter is anything like mine, um, I walk in the door and almost every waking moment that my son is awake, he's six years old, um, he wants to wrestle me. Now, I love wrestling. I love to, to wrestle Anthony. And, and, and Anthony, he, he'll talk trash, too. I mean, he'll, he'll, he'll say, Dad, I'm going to take you down. And, I mean, and so, of course, as a father, it's, it's my role to respond and to humble him. And so, um, <laughs> but, but those times come up. And, and there are some days where I just look at him like, Anthony, I don't want to wrestle. I don't want to wrestle. Or if you've heard Pastor Mark's story, he says uncle because his sons finally get bigger than him and can take him out. Okay? <laughs> then wrestling isn't really that fun anymore. Except for the sons, of course. It's finally their chance. Okay? But those are all some ways that we can usually respond. But even during those times, even during those times, it's important for us, it's important for us to understand, to yield not to the human desires, but to the Holy Spirit. It's important for us parents to spend time with our kids. Okay? Don't give in to that desire to ignore them and go do something else or turn on the TV. Or, or maybe your kids are older and your son or daughter is old enough to join you in those hunting trips, in those shopping trips, those coffee times that used to be considered your alone time. Okay? You wanted to be alone. Bring them along now. Allow them to see what you love. Allow them to experience with you why, why it is you love that time so much. Husbands and wives, invest, invest in your relationship even when you're exhausted. Students, don't put your earbuds in. Walk into your room and shut the door. Take a little bit of time. Take a little bit of time. Interact with mom and dad. Interact with your brothers and sisters. And you know what? If you do that, I guarantee you're going to be surprised at some things that you learn. You're going to be surprised how you can relate, connect, or understand mom and dad or brothers or sisters a little bit better. Instead of yielding to our human desires, let's yield to the Spirit. Of course, sometimes we need 20 minutes to get our head on straight and everything, but Jesus was showing here that we can't live for Him. We can't follow the Spirit if we're constantly following our human desires. It's impossible. It's literally impossible. The second example I want us to look at today is in spite of Jesus' human desires, yielding to the Spirit is found in the same short story. You'll notice starting in verse 26 here, that there was an interesting interaction that takes place between Jesus and this woman. You know, the Bible is awful quick to point out that this woman is Greek. Okay, The Bible points it out and then moves on with the story. Uh, and so pretty much saying to us that this is of some significance, why else would the Bible point it out? And so, but for us, a lot of times um, in our culture today, we would say, well, why does it matter where she's from or what nationality she is or anything? But I'll tell you what, 2,000 years ago, this was a very um, legitimate question. This was very significant information. This was especially significant because of the two people in the story. You had Jesus, you had Jesus who was a Jew, right? And then you had this, this woman who was a Greek or a Gentile. And, and between the two, there were some huge barriers right here. 
And, and, and history points him out. In fact, so much so that Matthew has the same story that he records. And, and in his parallel story, he, he, he even mentions that this woman was a Canaanite woman, which means that she was a descendant of an ancient race uh, that Israel attempted to completely exterminate. She was a Greek-speaking pagan Gentile from Tyre. Okay? Which meant that she was despised by the religious establishment and Jews and was considered really unclean or, as referred to in the text, a dog. It's pretty harsh words. You can see the barriers in between these two, right? And so this is what Jesus' humanity saw. He was fully human. This is what his humanity saw. His human desire was to not even acknowledge her or much less do anything for her. And on the other side, this woman had the same feelings towards Jewish people. It's not like for years they were trying to love the Jewish people and it just wasn't working. This went back and forth. There was conflict here. So, for her to even approach Jesus was really remarkable in and of itself. And, and so, can anyone see the Holy Spirit kind of setting up a divine interaction here? That's exactly what was happening. Jesus even says to her, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. In other words, he was saying, you're not my mission right now. This is not what I'm supposed to do. I was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. I'm supposed to do something else. I'm supposed to be saving only Jews right now, not Gentiles. How many of you are glad that Jesus came to save us all, right? Okay. He came to save us all. But when he first came, his role on the earth was to reach his, the Israelites, the Jewish people. And if you continue to read on in the New Testament, you'll see how that was translated and um, obviously was here to save the Gentiles as well. But here's what he does. Here's what he does. His humanity said that it was not okay to do anything for this woman, but after her persistent, humble response, here's what he decides to do. It was evident that he should disregard his humanity his human desires, and that he should yield to the Spirit. He should yield to the Spirit in what God was doing. And at that, he healed her daughter, going against his culture, going against his upbringing, and even going against his initial mission. He clearly stated that he was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel, but yielded to the Spirit instead of yielding to his humanity. Have, have you ever had God change your mission? Maybe your trip to the grocery store started as uh, running to grab some eggs so that you could bake something real quick, and it turned into, God changed that mission, it turned into a divine appointment with someone to share the love of Jesus with. You run into someone you haven't seen for years, and instead of saying, I don't have time, or ignoring them, which you all have done at some point, you see someone in the store you know, and you're like, holy cow, I don't have time for this. And instead of doing that, you allow God to change your mission, that's exactly what was happening to Jesus. To, be, to turn into the Spirit-led um, opportunity to show someone the love of Jesus. In spite of our human desires, we should yield to the Spirit. Let me give you uh, an example of how despite our human knowledge and desires, we should yield to the Spirit and allow Him to change our mission at times. Okay? I'm a teacher. For seven years, before I came on staff at Portview, I was a teacher. I taught in both elementary and middle schools. I taught in both public and private schools. That was my job, okay? 
I did it, I did it quite a bit. And my mission as a teacher was, was multifaceted, just like your mission is at work. It's not just, you know, you say, well, this is your job, but then it usually involves a hundred other things, right? <laughs> Amen. That's right. So teaching was the same way. But basically I was to guide and inspire kids to be the best students they could possibly be. And so each, each day I would rigorously plan um, engaging in differentiated lessons that met one or more of the many grade-level state standards. And I, I would create multiple forms of assessments to ensure that I had an accurate representation of a student's knowledge and skill level. That, that was my mission. Okay, this was one of my main missions each day. And, and, and just like any other job, it was difficult, it was tiring, and at times it was frustrating. And like many of you, I, I always seem to run out, once again, run out of time. Okay? There's always so much more to do. But, but, however, there were a number of times throughout the school year when it seemed like God would change my mission for that day. One time in particular, I was teaching sixth grade. Um, I, I was brand new to this school, and I had a, there was another sixth grade class, and that was my teaching partner. So we would collaborate. We would spend a lot of time together, especially after school, planning um, our day together. Now, she was also new. So being two new teachers to a new school, pretty much in a brand new uh, sixth grade class here, okay? And so we had to come up with, there wasn't the experienced sixth grade teacher that had done something for 20 years, so we had to come up, come up with everything new. And so we spent a ton of time collaborating. I spent so many days after school collaborating with her to carry out this mission for our sixth graders. And this particular day, though, was a little different. There was, there was something clearly bothering my, my teaching partner that day. And, you know, we, at, at first we tried to pound out the work and, you know, get done what we were supposed to and everything. But, but after a while it became clearly obvious that, that this really wasn't working, that there was clearly something distracting or bothering her. And so after, after asking a few questions, because it, it was relatively obvious, we ended up having a very lengthy discussion about relationships. That wasn't my mission for, for the day. Okay, How many of you sometimes get frustrated? You're like, you're changing my focus. You're changing my mission here. we got to stay on task. All the task-oriented people said. Amen. All right. <laughs> so, but even despite that, it was very clear that God was changing my mission for that time. So after quite a lengthy discussion... I simply asked if I could pray with her. That's all I did. And so right there, in the middle of a public school classroom, after school, we prayed with a non-believer. And although I didn't get my stuff done that night, I ended up having to take a ton of stuff home to work from home it was great to know that I allowed God to change my mission that day. It was worth putting aside my human desire of accomplishing my educational mission and yielding to the mission the Holy Spirit put right in front of me. Those situations don't happen if we don't yield to the Spirit. Jesus put his mission to reach the Jewish people aside to heal this woman's daughter. Did you notice that? He put that mission aside. It's very clear that Jesus is showing us yet again that if we are willing to put aside our human desires and yield to His Holy Spirit, He will do amazing things. He will do amazing things. 
Now let's take a quick look at one more story to help us better understand this idea that Jesus, being fully man, didn't follow his human desires, and, but clearly they were there, but instead yielded to the voice of the Spirit. In our second story, we find Jesus getting begged again, starting in verse 31, to heal someone. He's getting begged to heal someone. This time, some people bring a man to Jesus who is deaf and can't talk really well, and they beg Jesus to heal this man. This actually became quite a common occurrence for Jesus, being begged to, to, by complete strangers to heal them. Being begged, if you remember, by his own disciples to save them. In the story that Pastor Mark has been going over, Jesus walking on the water, Peter turned aside, lost his focus, started sinking, begging Jesus to heal him, or begging Jesus to save him. being bombarded, as Jesus always was, with questions from the Pharisees all throughout the Gospels. Jesus is being asked and harassed and messed with by the Pharisees saying, prove it or that's not right, and he's, he's getting bombarded with questions that way. Do you ever think that Jesus got tired of all the proving he had to do? Do you ever think he got frustrated with that? Do you think that Jesus sat there sometimes shaking his head and thinking, man, they just don't get it. Nobody gets it. My own disciples don't even get it. I mean, think about it. Listen to some of the situations Jesus finds himself in throughout the New Testament. Remember, Jesus came to save mankind to reconnect humanity with God and to help us relate to God again. But listen to a couple of things that goes on throughout the New Testament. And I want to see if we can, we can see why he would be a little frustrated by the situation. His disciples were arguing over who would be the greatest in God's kingdom. They don't get it. His own family and people he grew up with don't believe what he says. He's just Jesus. That's Mary and Joseph's son. He heals ten guys and only one comes back to say thank you. Or Jesus does one miraculous sign after another. He gets praised during his triumphal entry on Palm Sunday, right? That's what we celebrate. But then one week later, Jesus can't win a popularity contest with a common criminal. You know, Jesus comes to save the world knowing full well the price he would have to pay. Death, even the Bible says death on a cross. Everybody, the list could go on of all those times, all those situations, time after time. So do you think Jesus ever got a little frustrated? Do you think Jesus ever felt like he was being used? Take advantage of? Messed with? Do you think it bothered him that very few people seemed to understand the significance of what he was doing? Do you think he ever got tired of being begged to heal people when there was no guarantee that they would ever follow him? You know, friends, I think he did. I think he did get frustrated. After all, he was human. So when we read this story... With this perspective, I think we can empathize with Jesus when we read that Jesus was begged yet again to heal someone. 
and how despite the emotions he may have felt that we just walked through and described, he pulled the man aside, he looked up to heaven, and the Bible says that Jesus let out a deep sigh. Can you hear that sigh? Can you feel that emotion that he was feeling at that time? He let out a deep sigh, but despite those human emotions, feelings, and frustrations, he looked up to heaven and he said, Be opened. And the man was healed. The Bible says this man didn't even listen to what Jesus asked him to do, to not say anything. He didn't even listen. He just got healed by Jesus, and he wouldn't even listen to that. Can you feel that sigh? That frustration? This morning, we've been able to get some very clear pictures of Jesus' humanity. Don't you think? We've been able to see a little better of how he lived. The constant battle between being guided by our human desires and being guided by the Holy Spirit, always at war. Isn't that how it is in life? Isn't that how it is in your life? We have seen Jesus yield to the Holy Spirit when he wanted to be alone. We have seen Jesus, we have seen him reject his human desire and yield to the Spirit's mission that he had for him with the Greek woman. And we've been able to understand a little bit better what the Bible describes as a deep sigh. That Jesus didn't succumb to the frustrations of rejection and unbelief, but instead yielded to the Spirit again to heal someone. And you know what? Jesus told us to go and do likewise. Not to yield to the human desires, but to yield to His Spirit. But there's good news that the story doesn't end there. The story doesn't end there because because Jesus yielded to the Holy Spirit. That because because He He pushed away His human desires and instead followed the Spirit. He was used, God used him to do great things. He was used to heal a deaf man. He was used to send an evil spirit out of a young girl. God used Jesus to bring salvation, to help us all relate to God again. And the same God is calling us to a life where we yield not to our human desires, but where we yield to His His Spirit, His Holy Spirit. A life that we can be used by God to do great things, like impact our family for Christ, like share Jesus in our communities. Showing the love of Jesus at school and at work. If we live a life yielded to the Spirit, I guarantee God will use you to do incredible things. And that's the good news. That's the good news. As Jesus yielded to the Spirit, God used Him to do great things, and God's going to do that with us too. Right now, God may have already put something in your minds, that human desire maybe that you need to ignore, and you're saying, man, Pastor, I know what it is. I know. Or this is, this is a frustration. This is tough for me. Maybe God's already talking to some of you, identifying how He wants you to ignore the human desire and instead yield to the Spirit. So can, can we agree to something this week? 
so that so that God's word isn't isn't proclaimed, isn't revealed to us, and then we forget about it through the rest of the week. Let's let's commit to doing something this week. Can you guys make a commitment this week about what God's word has been telling us to do? This week, when you're at work, when you're at home, when you're at school, when you're in the store, for this week, let's commit to practicing what God has shown us today about yielding to the Spirit. Can we do that? Let's commit to what God wants us to do. And you know what? If we commit to that, and if we commit to practicing that, the Bible says and shows us that if we commit to yielding to the Spirit, God is going to use you. Say, Pastor, I've never been used by God. I don't feel like God has really used me to do much. Don't yield to the human desires. Yield to His Spirit. Amen? Everybody stand. Let's, let's pray this morning.